And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we listen, liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when taken, which it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up, and becometh greater than all herbs, and shooteth out great branches, so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you the problem of predicting the future. We don't know the future. And even more to the point, God works in unexpected ways, which is why we walk by faith and not by sight. So often we are discouraged in life because we do not see the progress that we want to see, or things do not go according to plan. We do not see some step-by-step linear development or or change, and so we think nothing is happening. There is no progress. But just because we cannot see how things are changing or progressing, and just because you do not know what is happening, does not mean that God is not building and advancing his kingdom. It really is a virtue for Christians to trust that God is advancing his kingdom in ways that we cannot possibly know. It's just that sometimes the fruit of that advancement is not seen for years, perhaps not even in our lifetime, and may certainly be the result of suffering. Think of something as simple as a child growing. Day to day, you do not notice their growth. But all of a sudden, it is time to buy them new pants because the ones you just bought are three inches too short. When did that happen? You can't really put your finger on it. You just know that you went to sleep for a few nights and when you woke up, they had grown. Or think of a favorite band. I don't listen to new bands anymore, but some people still do, I guess. You know, or a business, or a trend, or a restaurant. You know, they often begin small. You probably think, you're the only person in on this new trend. But then all of a sudden, that trend, or that band, or that restaurant becomes wildly popular, and you realize, oh, you're not the only one, right? And you think, how did this happen? They're everywhere now. Now everyone is wearing those shoes or listening to that band or eating at that restaurant. How did it happen? 
Well, it's not a, a linear progress, right? Rather, it's, a, it's horizontal. It goes out this way a whole, for, a, for a long time, and then all of a sudden it all grows up together. The kingdom of God works in the same way. We think that God has abandoned us, again, because things are not going the way that we hope and think they ought to. We think that God is up to exactly nothing. And then all of a sudden, some bigger picture dawns on us, and we're like, oh, that's what has been going on this whole time. Think of, for example, the huge and suddenly or unexpected surge and explosion of Christianity in the Southern Hemisphere. You, you do know the future of Christianity is in the Southern Hemisphere, right? It's certainly not in the, the West or the North. Our Ethiopian friends will tell you that missionaries began work there in the 1800s. And slowly but steadily, the Oromo people, that's the largest tribe in Ethiopia, our friends next door are part of the Oromo tribe in Ethiopia, slowly but steadily, they, they converted to Christianity. And there was one man in particular, Onesimus Neseb, who translated the Bible into the Oromo language. Onesimus was his, his taken name later when he became a Christian, named after, of course, the book of Philemon. And today there are more Lutherans in Ethiopia than there are in America. And if orthodoxy is a judge of anything, and it, of course, ought to be, then you could argue there may very well be more Lutherans in Ethiopia than there are in Germany, America, Norway, and Sweden combined. Because some of the things going on in those churches in Europe is, well, unusual. You see, that work, of course, began with just one man, one inconsequential little mustard seed who brought the Bible to that language. And yet, the Ethiopian Lutheran Church is now one of the largest Lutheran churches in the world. Or is it a shrub, right? A shrub under which the fowls of the air, as the King James put it, the birds of the air make their nests in its shade. Or consider the collapse of empires. Each one looked undissolvable, unbreakable, and yet they fell. In many cases, because of all the work that was going on in God's kingdom, Maybe God's kingdom thrived soon thereafter. Indeed, in many cases, these kingdoms fell because of the incompatibility of the lies that they told with the truth of God. You see, God bats a thousand in baseball terms. This is God's world. We live in God's world. His truth will always win. He's undefeated. Even the great empires... You see this in the book of Daniel when there are prophecies that Daniel reveals about empires that are coming, right? But they're all going to fall. Look at the Roman Empire, for example. Now, there is a lot to criticize about the legalization of Christianity and how Christianity became the, the one religion of the Roman Empire. Uh, and yet the fact is that the dissolution of the Roman Empire would have been impossible to imagine a years, uh, in the years before. How did it happen? It wasn't overnight, but it seemed that way. Of course, it collapsed from within as it rejected the moral teachings of the church. You know, by the way, the moral teachings of the church are fantastic foundations for uh, an actual kingdom or empire. Trustworthiness, faithfulness, telling the truth, building families, and on and on. 
But in the wake of the fall of Rome, the church was there to pick up the pieces. And again, not to defend everything that went on in the early church, and certainly uh, medieval Catholicism is what we uh, sought to reform in the 1500s. There were problems there. But yet this once invisible empire was reduced to the dustbin of history, and Christianity emerged in its wake. None of those who faithfully had sowed the seeds of the faith in those first three centuries of the church could have foreseen that. Jumping far into the future, the Soviet Union at one point looked invincible. Remember the success of Sputnik? We were afraid we were going to lose the space race. They're going to be shooting lasers at us from outer space. We could never catch up. Empire would, would, would continue to grow, etc. But internally, it was crumbling until the day that its own inherent contradictions and immoralities could no longer survive. And in many places, uh, Romania in particular, Christians began to defend their pastors from the gulags, and their courage spread to the point that thousands upon thousands of Romanians demanded the heads of their wicked rulers, the Ceausescus. Maybe you've seen the footage from December of 1989 when uh, thousands, tens of thousands of people stormed the capital uh, when Nicholas Ceausescu was speaking. And that crowd would go on to be the only successful revolution against any Soviet state. While not politically correct to say, I don't know why it would be controversial to point out that the West's most significant social and cultural uh, and political enemy is the Chinese Communist Party. And they certainly seem to be on the march, have been for a long time. They're obviously hostile to Christianity, if we pay a little bit of attention. And in fact, all religion, because of course Marxism is a religion that can countenance no other. They have made the practice of religion illegal. They have placed Uyghur Muslims in massive concentration camps. They're literally rewriting the Bible. Did you know there's a, an official CCP-approved version of the Bible coming out? Jesus kills the woman who committed adultery in that version. And as an empire with over a billion people, a massive military, and economic might all over the world, we might wonder, how will that empire ever fall? Well, it just might be, as hard as this is to imagine, that if God wills an empire to fall, then he is planting seeds within that culture, seeds that we are completely unaware of, seeds that, while we are sleeping, will grow overnight and become a force so powerful that said empire will no longer be able to stand. For example, it was policy for decades in China that you could only have one child. And just a few years ago, they said, oh, we need more children. Now you can have two. And now, just in the last few weeks, they've said, oh, you can have three. Well, God says, of course, to be fruitful and multiply. We don't need the state's permission to have children. Thank you very much. It's not the state's place to tell us how many children we can have. But one of the things then that might happen is that those committed to the Marxist ideology might say, well, we'll still have our one child. You beat us you know, beat that into us for 50 years, we'll still have our one child. But the Christians, of which there are millions underground in China, might be saying, oh, we can have three children now? We'll be having three, thank you very much. And bam, the, the kingdom just, just tripled, just like that. Now it'll take a couple of generations. 
We'll be sleeping in the meantime. But then one day we'll wake up and we'll go, wow, things have really changed over there. Now, I guess you could say, well, God doesn't care about nations and worldviews, and we shouldn't be either. I disagree. And, and I, I think really the point is that God's kingdom is advancing in even the most unsuspecting of places. And what is true for nations, it's true for people, too. Of course, it is our desire that all people would turn to Christ and trust in him alone for their salvation. And yet, almost every conversion story starts small. Something is said. Some small act of charity is offered. Some argument is made that can uh, change the tide of the unbeliever. We don't know what mustard seed it might be, but we should absolutely be bold in offering seeds even in the midst of seemingly useless situations. When Jesus is saying in this parable, what he's saying is that what seems small and hopeless and useless to us, us are exactly those things that God uses to advance his kingdom. While we're looking for the magic bullet, some linear path to increased popularity, God is he's off to the side. He's working on his own thing, doing things his own way. And so as Christians who believe that these parables are true, right, that we go to sleep and we wake up and there's the kingdom, or we plant this small seed and there's the kingdom, we should at, very, at the very least have trust in God that even though we don't see what we want to see, an expanding kingdom, that doesn't mean it isn't happening. And we should also have the discipline to drown out the noise of the world. Conventional thinking, it's the worst kind of thinking. Right? Conventional thinking, much of our media, much of our entertainment cabal, much of the academy, and even, I'm sorry to say, much of the popular church, right? we need to tune a lot of that out. We need to utilize discipline to ignore groupthink and look for signs of what God is doing beyond the obvious. Our call is to hang tight and to press on. Never give an inch. Trust that even when things seem lost, a very small mustard seed may very well be sprouting soon. And it will happen when we aren't looking in unconventional ways that we did not expect, and it will shock, shock, I tell you, the leading lights of the world. They definitely won't see it coming. And God will have the last laugh. And hopefully, we will still be alive to see it, grinning at peace with God's unforeseen and unexpected providence. Amen.